Cards are getting a little bit ugly out there. Give them, give them all a cookie and make them settle down. All right, on today's episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, we're going to start with Ryan's commentary on low-income families in Ontario. <laughs> Not my, not my commentary. The government's. Pretty much the government says, for you poor people, you don't get to go to university anymore. Nope. That's been the Winged Wheel Podcast. <laughs> that, uh, jo- that joke for 90% of the people listening right now is going to seem like nothing. But to the 10% of them that watched the pre-episode video, they're going to be like, that was quality. <laughs> that was a very good opening. Um. We are your hosts. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. Evan's not here. Because um, <laughs> he's a porcelain and we don't let him in here anymore. No, yeah, we don't. Uh, so this past week I was able to to catch a game fully like while I was not distracted by anything else, which means I was able to tweet and everything, having a good time, interacting with people on Twitter. And uh, <laughs> I was watching the post-game show. On, on Fox Sports Detroit, and uh, it was uh, John Keating and Darren Elliott. Darren Elliott, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we're we're on the post game show, and anyone who watches the Red Wings on Fox Sports Detroit knows and loves those guys. And uh, I'm just gonna play the audio of of what I heard, and I, I laughed because well, you'll see why. The Ducks have a forward named Jacob Silverberg. Well, they. Wings and the Ducks were were humming silver bells the last time that each of them had a little bit of fortune. So, so that was John Keating, and obviously it was just like a, he had the idea in his head, and he was rolling with it, and he just stumbled a little bit on the delivery. It was just like a funny, awkward line. And uh, I laughed, and uh, I, I tweeted something like, uh, you tried your best, John, with like a heart emoji. And I tagged him in it, because he's on Twitter, like everyone else in, in the hockey world. And uh, it wasn't even a big tweet. It, had, it got like no traction. Like it wasn't, it wasn't that funny. It was just a throw. I forgot about it. It was like a set and forget kind of thing. And then the next day, and I, I was like, oh, I wonder if he saw this and or interacted with it. And so I went, I clicked on his profile, and it was like, at John Keating FSD has blocked you. <laughs> <laughs> You cannot see any of his tweets. I was like, John, no! I didn't mean it, John! Please! These are the type of obstacles on our road to becoming a legitimate podcast. (laughs) And people have been calling for us to have John Keating on the episode for years, like months and months and months and months and months. From time to time, he's one of the most prevalent... Like, when we call on you guys to say, like, hey, if you want someone on the show, like, tag him on Twitter, tag us, tag them, and then let's see what we can make happen. Uh, he comes up often, and I think we might have actually tweeted at him from time to time. I'm not never a response. Most of the time, you will get one. And uh, the one time we get through to him, it's just, uh, yeah, what? I don't know. I think I maybe I caught him on a bad day. I, was that that bad? I don't think no, it was. I don't think so. I've, I, I get worse on a daily basis. For me, locked. yeah. <laughs> I did. I was sad. I saw. I was at work and I was sad. I went and showed my coworkers. I was like, "Look, I accidentally bullied someone. I'm so sad." <laughs> you accidentally bullied. And someone. this isn't even like, oh, I said something inflammatory about the Edmonton Oilers, and now their fan base is rabid and hates me. And one of their beat writers has called me out and blocked me and like slandered my good name. No, this is the Red Wings. This is what I do. It's the Red Wings. One of the big Red Wings guys. <laughs> I saw a couple of people. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm on day 25 of my 100 day cold, annual 100 day cold. <laughs> and, uh,. I saw a few people say, like, oh, hey, at John Keating, like, you blocked Ryan Hanna, like, uh, just so you know. And I'm like, oh, guys, no, that's making it worse. Don't, yeah, don't worry about it. I think what's, what's done is done. It's part of the legacy now. When the Red Wings are losing, it's probably best some of these people don't see our timelines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always worry about that. When I get followed by an account with, like, a blue check mark, I'm like, oh, please don't be anyone in hockey. You're going to look back and see a whole lot of despair. I am not going to lie when I get followed. Like, I know most of the blue check marks following me. And I'll check in on their page every once in a while to see if they're still following me or if I've scared them away. Mm. 
I have not. I do that as well. I have not found one who has strayed away yet. So apparently, my whining, incessant complaining, and angry tweets are uh, amusing to these people. But I that, know I know Steve's basking in it. He's just he's living. But the, I don't it. think Steve follows me yet. Doesn't and I'm a little <laughs> irked. You know, I'm a little irked. I actually want to check now. Okay, so when you're checking to see if you've retained your blue checkmark follows, that little second where it's loading, don't you have a moment of dread? <laughs> yeah. I actually want to check Because there's a few, like, le- like without giving anything away, there's a few, like, legitimately big hockey media people following me, and I forget about that when I throw out my snarky little snipes at, like, Blash Hill or Abdulkader, and I'm like, hmm, this is in poor taste, probably. You know what? Steve and Adam both don't follow me. Oh yeah, if, and Adam's due to be on the show, and so I got to tell him there's a price, there's a there's a price of, of, uh, of entry here. Yeah, we should probably get Adam on soon. Yeah, we should. While the Leafs are struggling, it's pro- high time to yeah. Yeah, we them. gotta we gotta capitalize. Maybe we'll try for next week before next week, before Nylanders. Oh, um, uh, Darren Millard uh, DM'd me back and said like let's set a time. So Ooh. yeah, that'll be so that'll be one to look forward. Good, to. Good, that'll be fun because he's not with sports anymore. I'm curious to know what he's doing now. Hmm. Uh, all right, on this episode. The Detroit Red Wings um, have done controversial things. Uh, like I win games. They've won games and they've they've had lines. And you know what? I want to yell about them just as badly as Brad, but I feel like Brad's going to do the yelling this episode. I'm actually going to be um, positive on one end of the spectrum, and I'm going to be very angry on the other end of the spectrum. It's weird. I don't know how to feel. I mean, I know how to feel, but it's confusing. Hmm. There's a few. Yeah, you know, I'm going to avoid that one. Yeah. Uh, we're <laughs> we're going to talk about a couple of trades. A little bizarre, these trades. One of them is like seven years old, I think. And the other one is just weird. And then we're going to be talking about some random stuff. Standings, the lockout to anticipate future international tournaments, negotiations with the next CBA, and then, of course, head into overtime, preceded by any other tangents that Brad and I have. The Detroit Red Wings have played uh, one game since we last spoke. I know this is late in the week. Uh, I actually had a dental emergency. I have like my. I, th- I know I've complained about it. These teeth are getting fixed on Monday. At least the two worst ones. But yesterday I was in quite a bit of pain. Anyways, that's why we're late this week. But we've only uh, we, Ryan. We normally record on Thursdays. Today's Thursday. Anyways, <laughs> the Red Wings uh, beat the streaking Anaheim Ducks, and by streaking I mean not in the good way. Um, they lost 12 or 13 in a row? 12 or 13 in a row. They're playing right now as we record. Are they up, though? I believe they they're winning. They were up 3 nothing. Yeah, so they uh, they beat the Anaheim Ducks 3-1. to one. Um, Didn't help the tank so much. And they, on, of course, on Saturday beat uh, the Minnesota Wild 5-2. Uh, so that moved them from, like, the 29th, 28th or 29th spot all the way up to 26th. I say that in jest. I know these two games are yet but a drop. It's a marathon, nothing matters. Uh, so that game against Anaheim was, oh, like that, you could have, I, I would actually pay to get those 75 minutes of my life back from the first half of that game. I missed the first half of the game, so you that worked out well for me. You didn't miss the first half of the game, Brad. Nothing happened. Okay. Everyone forgot they were playing. At one point, it wasn't even the players on the ice. It was just a couple Zamboni guys like fixing the net on the posts, and then the referees realized they were refereeing people who weren't actually NHL players. And they're like, oh, well, I'm not going to put the time back on the clock. And then the NHL players took the ice, and then we're still miserably boring. Anyways, it picked up after a little bit. The Red Wings scored three goals in the third period. Curly fries. It was, uh, I'm trying to remember who the goals were before I loaded up in front Anthony of me. Anthony Mantha? Anthony Mantha. Anthony Mantha, Nuss Geiquist, and Harry Delm. Elite finisher, Darren Helm. What a shot. What a shot. Why does he do that? I would prefer he... <coughs> excuse me. I'd prefer he not do that. That hurt my lats. Why did that hurt my lats? Because you haven't been to the gym in like three months. Hey, shut up. <laughs> I didn't come here to be attacked. <laughs> Listen, man. <laughs> Not all of us have the privilege of working at a gym. God, you sound my. It helps. I still went an hour before my shift to work out today, Ryan. Listen. <laughs> uh, when I was home uh, over Christmas break, I go visit my family in Windsor, and uh, my parents hate that I don't live in Windsor. Hate, hate, hate it. I live about three hours north in Waterloo, Ontario, near Kitchener, which is essentially where Brad is. It's like a tri city area. 
not Windsor's not part one of the three. Anyways, yes, we get it right. Uh, <laughs> and my dad goes, Ryan, if I could find you a job in Windsor, would you work in Windsor? I was like, if I could find me a job in Windsor. I won't work in Windsor. He's like, I'd get you a job at Ford. I was like, I would sooner kill myself. And he was like, you'll make 40 bucks an hour. I was like, won't be much use to me if I'm dead. And he goes, what do you make? Like 15 bucks an hour? I was like, first of all, that's incredibly rude. Second of all, yes. <laughs> Anyways, that's what that made you telling me I didn't go to the gym. It reminded me of my father. You remind me of my father, Brad, in a lot of ways. I'm prob- we're, it's about the same age difference here. Same thing, yeah. Uh, Anthony Mantha scored, uh, which inspired me to make the meme of the guy finding the scroll of truth. And he opens it up, and it says Anthony Mantha won't reach 30 goals this, se- this season. He throws away. He goes, nah. And that's how I feel, because I want Anthony Mantha to go on a heater and reach 30 goals. That means he's got to score 19 in his next, what, 35? 35, yeah. 32? He'd essentially like- have to be one of the hottest goal scorers in the NHL. For a majority of the NHL season. Yeah. I'm going to settle for 20, given the injuries <laughs> he's had this year. Yeah. I'll be happy with that. Um, but the exciting part, so again... Optimism. We're talking about happy things. Red Wings won, but the exciting part in the third period is we got to see a full period of a line that featured Andreas Athanasiu, Dylan Larkin, and Anthony Mantha together. It looked... And they uh, scored almost right away. It, they looked like a legit hashtag actually good NHL line. Yes. Um, this And it's not surprising considering the stats. Again, the, those uh, statistics that I uh, referenced that Prashanth, I think, reference from someone else from last episode was like Bertuzzi's realistically the best person to put on that line because Mantha's like Corsi for um, Mantha can drive his own line. Yeah. Um, but if you just want to overload a line, that's one hell of a way to do it. And it did not take long for that to show. And a lot of teams are doing it right now, too. Like you look at Calgary, you look at Colorado, you look at Boston, they're overloading a line and they're having success with it despite lack of depth. Because here's the problem with overloading that line. The rest of the Red Wings' top nine is awful. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, is it bad. Oh, no, they got Danny DeKaiser. Forwards. <laughs> Does know. he play wing all of a sudden? Yeah, Can he play center? Because uh, if we put Bertuzzi and Nyquist on the second line, that's passable. Mm. I don't know who the centerman would be. Right now it's Franz Nielsen, and that doesn't exactly inspire confidence. Uh, what does uh, What's his name? Backup goalie. Jonathan Bernier. Yeah, what does he do on his off games? Hopefully second line center. Um, yeah, but no, it's good because uh, you can make an argument Nyquist is one of the three best forwards, but essentially you have your three best forwards on the top line. Settle down, Rowan. Um, I don't know. I like... I'm conflicted on whether or not I like this. I, I objectively love watching this line. Okay, that period of hockey was thrilling. They It finally looked like Detroit had a legitimate NHL top line, which sounds overly simplistic, mm-hmm. but it looked good. It wasn't just Dylan Larkin carrying the corpse of Justin Ablocator to the net and forcing the puck in the net himself. But then it yields a question because the rest of Detroit's forwards are so bad... Is it better to put an Anthony Mantha on the second line with like a Tyler Bertuzzi and have a Darren Helm or even Bertuzzi himself up on the top line with those other two guys and then have some balanced scoring? Because I legitimately don't know. Because it works for Boston, but Boston's got really good defense, but they don't have a ton of depth on forward. Colorado has almost no depth on forward, and their season's imploding lately, so... I don't know. I say give it a shot. Let's ride this for a couple weeks, see how things go, and then we might have an answer. The thing about it is I don't believe there's any kind of like gospel or like set way of doing this right now because I I think these questions only really apply to teams who have a reasonable set of deployable players. This is true. Um, and so you almost get hit, like your hands tied. You either spread out your players and hope for a, like what is essentially like RNG, like that game where the right players get the right breaks and then you reach three goals or you focus all of your offensive output on one or two lines, hope they don't get shut down, and then you reach three goals that way. So it, but then you get absolutely dominated on both ends of the ice for the other, you know, three quarters of the time those players aren't playing, yes. which would lead to a record kind of like what Detroit has. Um, <laughs> two game win streak, notwithstanding, like, against two of the coldest teams in the NHL. Two game win streak. I'm still speaking of lines, I'm still rattled. My dream. Almost became a reality in the game against Anaheim when I saw 
the day before the practice lines when Jacob De La Rose was nursing an injury. <coughs> and the fourth line was Martin Furk, Christopher Ain, and Justin Abdelkader. We had the Firkin A line. Firkin it A was boys. there, and Della Rose had to heal and play like an a-hole and ruined all my dreams. I tweeted that after that practice. I said, oh my god, the Firkin A line is happening, and it's one of my top five most liked tweets of all fucking time. Really? Yeah. How many did it get? 200. It's at 200 and something right now. Oh, wow. Also, my, my next tweet, which is the perfect transition was uh, in the same day when I saw the same lineup and I started going on an absolute mission about why Blashill needs to be gone because Danny DeKaiser's back. <laughs> and because Danny DeKaiser's back, Jeff Blashill decided to scratch Philip Hronick. You know, Philip Hronick, the Red Wings defenseman with five points in his last five games. The, hard, the, the hottest defenseman the Red Wings have. This was, the, my tweet essentially said, if anybody ever defends Blash Hill or wants to know why he should be fired, just frame that lineup and send it to him. Someone clip what Brad just said so the next time he defends Blash Hill, you can frame that lineup and just When the it. hell was the last time I defended <laughs> I Blash Hill? Know. Legitimately, I don't know. <laughs> but I think it would be hilarious if it did end up happening. Oh, Mike, this, okay. This is stupid <coughs> on so many levels. Let's Examine why this is stupid on every level. Shall we do this, Ryan? Super. Let's pretend <laughs> Jeff Blaschel is coaching for his job here and he needs wins above all else, okay? Because he is a coach on an expiring contract. This probably is the mentality he should be taking. The more wins he can get down the stretch, the more likely is to keep his job. Now, to win games, you want to have successful defensemen helping with the offense. Could I be crazy in assuming that five points in five games is probably helping the team? Well, I mean, it depends on what philosophy you subscribe to. But for the sake of your argument, yes. Yes. Has Philip Hronick progressed pretty well in his recent call-up and has been getting better? His defensive game isn't perfect, but it's stronger. His puck movement and his rushes are arguably the best on the team right now. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So if you're trying to win the damn game, you put him in the lineup. <laughs> and it's not like these are the Nashville Predators or the Tampa Bay Lightning who can parade out six decent defensemen every day. Philip Hronick is out of the lineup and the, the uh, whatever you want to call it, shadow of Nicholas Cronwell is in there. The... Human Easter Island statue that is Jonathan Erickson is still in the goddamn lineup. I'm not in the physical state to receive this rant right now. <laughs> and Heronic is out. Brad. Uh, this is... And Trevor Daly's coming back. What this tells me, too. Okay? If we want to look, Trevor Daly's still out. All the other... This move proved to me that there is absolutely... Zero accountability to the veterans on this team. So do you know what that means when Trevor Daly comes back? Goodbye, Chalosky. He's in the press box. Well, no, because he's playing the most minutes of any defenseman. Just kidding. He plays playing the least, least minutes. minutes of by a lot. By like three, four minutes on average. Right now, you can make a legitimate argument. Dennis Chalosky and Philip Peronik are the best defensemen on this team. Mike Green and Nick Jensen might have something to say about that, but Nick Jensen doesn't produce any offense, so Take that with whatever you will. Danny DeKaiser, Trevor Daly, Jonathan Erickson, and Nicholas Cronwell do not provide any more tangible value than Chalosky and Hronik, but we're going to reach a point in this season, barring Ken Holland actually trading before the deadline, where they are both going to be out of the lineup. Nothing to do with injuries. Mike Babcock, if you're Mike Babcock, wouldn't you love to have a Riley or Gardner and uh, Jensen pairing? Toronto's a good candidate to trade for Jensen. Seriously, because... But when's the trade deadline? Because he's not getting moved a minute before that day. No, of course not. It's in like it's just over a month. Um, but I'm, no, I must interject your rant, Brad. I'm not done, so yes, please interject. The Red Wings are 2-0 in their last two games. And that's all I want to say! Against a team on a 12-game <laughs> losing streak... I'm not entirely convinced my beer league team wouldn't hold strong against Anaheim right now. Hey. And Minnesota, who has also been collapsing lately. So much to the point they got rid of one of their best goal scorers for a fourth liner. 
don't make jokes about beer league teams. I have a friend who loves playing on a beer league team. It's, yes. It's you. I know. Evan enjoys <laughs> it too, but he hates his team. Okay. So I'm done my rant about if you're trying to win the game, why this is stupid. Let's go to the real reality here, okay? This is a write-off season for Detroit. No matter how hot they get the rest of the year, they are way too far gone to make the playoffs here. So the rest of this season is about development. I do not care if Dennis Cholosky or Philip Ronick are getting the most minutes on the Red Wings defense. If they're somewhere between 15 and 20 minutes a night, fantastic. Let's give them some time on the power play. Let's get them some ice time. Let's learn them the ropes. What good is this doing Philip Ronick? And based on the lines in practice today, too, it looks like he's out the next game as well. He has proven he is good enough. He is excelling at the NHL level. There's nothing left in Grand Rapids for him. But even so, if you're not going to play him on the damn Red Wings, put his ass in Grand Rapids where he can play. The press box is nothing for him. No, the press box is good because when you look from above, you see your mistakes all nice and real like, you know. Yeah, you can realize, oh, God, I should request a trade. (laughs) This is horrifying to me that now Cholosky is getting the least amount of ice time of every defenseman on this team. Philip Ronick is not in the lineup. We are talking about defensive rookies who are number three and four in the league for points per game. What more do they have to do for Blashill to go, you know what? Maybe they're more valuable than the Blarney stone that is Jonathan Erickson. (laughs) Where are you getting this? I am just thinking of big stationary objects and rolling with it, okay? I can't handle you today. Oh. This is the dumbest. This is among the dumbest thing I have seen Jeff Blashell do in his tenure as Red Wings coach, and that is saying something. He, uh, someone asked, or I think Greg Krupa might have asked him about it, or Greg Krupa at least tweeted about this, uh, he was asked about Hronik, and he said, uh, maybe sometime in the next couple of weeks, definitely not next game. Blashill said, quote, I don't like to change the lineup after a win, which is a hysterical thing to come from a coach of the team who has like the least amount of ROWs <laughs> or wins in the league. Ryan, you don't even need to make that big of an argument. So, Philip Hronik got scratched for the uh, Anaheim game, right? Mm. What the hell happened the game before? Right, the Red Wings won. And then he changed the lineup against Anaheim. Mm. No, you see, you're you're not getting it, Brad. He doesn't like to change the lineup after a win, and so that's why he doesn't want to. <laughs> Don't. There is there is nothing left. If Don't any- bring your logic into this winning culture. It's about the intangibles, Brad. We have a culture of winning, and the fans expect a good product on the ice. We got to win. Get a good culture of winning. You do whatever you can to win with the culture, Brad. You know what I'd like. You know when I'd like to win next year and the year after. You know what's going to help that. Philip Heronic in the lineup. All right, wild card. Trade Philip Heronic. Just do it. Might as fucking well. Can we trade him for a new coach? I might actually do that. Remember when that was a thing? Imagine this was the NFL. We could just trade. We could have traded Babcock for like a third round pick. Didn't we get a compensatory? Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, we got a third for him. Um, Did that not turn into Surrey Irvy? Maybe. Which could turn into something. Might have been the year after. So maybe not. Year before, sorry. And sorry, Arvi has turned into something that we could complain about in the future. So, Yeah, no. If, Billy, sorry, if Blashill's back next year, either next year or the year after, Billy, sorry, Arvi is going to be the new Philip Ronick. If Iserman doesn't take over next year, I seriously, 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 seriously believe Blashill will be back. I'm betting on I'm it I'm not even kidding. If I you think. ask me to put $20 on the table, is Blashill coming back or not right now? I'm saying he's back. And it's... And honestly, I probably root against the Red Wings next year. Like, I'm still a fan, but I will hope for and wish nothing but failure. Mm. And then just look at them at the end of the year. Get a media pass for that post-game press conference with Ken Holland at the end of the year. Just look at him and go, all right, Ken, now what have you learned? It's like when Mika, I say, don't touch that. Don't touch that. Touches it. Falls on her. Ow. What have you learned? I need to start taking this approach with the Red Wings because this is getting hilariously sad. Um... I I just read a quote, 
and it's not related to what we're talking about. Um, I do want to bring it up. We can get back to the Red Wings, but while this is I don't want to. Gord Miller uh, on TSN said, I don't have a vote on it, but he might be the GM of the year. Guess who he was talking about? Take any guess. Okay, it's going to have to be one of the laughably bad ones. I, I'm assuming it's not Ken Holland. No. You said it's not Red Wings no, related. No, it's not Red Wings related. It's definitely not Peter Shirelli. No, it's not. As much as I would have loved for that to be the case, it's not. Oh, my God. He's going to say Mark Bergevin. He said there... Mark Bergevin. Oh, my God. Okay, okay, okay. Look, yes, Mark Bergevin has done awful things to Montreal. However, seeing this listed out, kind of, if you look at it in a one-year vacuum almost understand the sentiment he traded Galchenyuk for Domi which actually would turn like that worked out pretty well for them against everyone's expectations yeah that worked out well uh they traded Pacioretty for Tatar who's replicating Pacioretty's production um and they also got Suzuki in a second yeah I think everybody thought that was a pretty good trade for Montreal at the time yeah um he had a good draft really um Kotkaniemi seems to have been a good pick um, no Philip Zadina, but you do, what your feelings are on about about their depth signings, like Agostino and whatever, is up to you. Um, he extended Dino, Domi, and Byron on pretty decent deals. They had a lot of good prospects in the World Juniors, and his team is in a playoff spot. They were like one point behind the Leafs. You know what helps with that? Uh, Carey Price. Yeah. 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 Who's been putting up over the last uh, month to six weeks just his normal carry price, otherworldly numbers. This this is the same guy who traded a top three to five defenseman in the league when he was in his prime, when he like at the end of his prime for a top three to five defenseman in the league in like just the beginning of his prime. Sorry, just the backwards. End. Yeah, the other way. He essentially mortgaged a future for no reason at all. Um, however. GM of the well, Year's one-year every, award. Not everything is black and white. No. <laughs> nice. 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 Yeah. So, <laughs> it being a one-year award, would you accept all that, that argument as a rationale to vote for him for GM of the Year? Trying to think. I'm going to say no, mm-hmm. but he's definitely in the top half of the league for this year because... You have to look. the The problem is the GM of the year does not get credit when his team's already good, right? You know what I mean. And it, it happens the same thing with coaching, right? Like John Cooper's not going to win the Jack Adams this year, even though Tampa's insane. The, the these two awards always go to the team that oh, you did better than we thought, regardless of the circumstance. Yeah. Again, GM of the year. How do you not again go back to George McPhee? Vegas didn't fall off. They are still one of the best teams in the NHL. Washington did not fall off. They are still one of the best teams in the NHL. There are a lot of candidates here. Doug Wilson in San Jose just keeps that team rolling year after year after year. Despite the aging core, he finds ways to get the Timo Myers, the Eric Carlson's, and keep them competitive. Calgary went from one of the, missed the playoffs last year to one of the Best teams in the NHL this year. And that's even with them whiffing on James Neal, who's been terrible this year. I think Sri Living is probably definitely up there. Yeah. Like, there are a lot of candidates here. So, could Bergevin be in the running? Absolutely. Let's not forget. It was only a short time ago Peter Shirelli was nominated. So, he was a finalist. Peter Shirelli was a finalist. Remember and now that? I think he's wanted for murder. <laughs> is that what it is? Oh, no. He just ruined it. Ruined hockey. If you're Peter Shirelli and someone offers you 10 first-round picks, their next 10 first-round picks for Connor McDavid, do you do it? No, because it's Connor McDavid. <laughs> All right. They offer you their next 10 first-round picks and Danny DeKaiser. <laughs> I'm just any random team. It could be anyone, and they offer you Danny DeKaiser. How can I say no now? <laughs> Um, I'm sorry for railroading us. Uh, other uh, things we wanted to talk about. Uh, oh, what are the upcoming games? That's I, Who cares? Her, there's going to be no reason to watch. Oh, there's plenty of reason to watch. Um, they have Calgary on Friday. They're going to get smoked. Sunday. And we're going to be live streaming for patrons on Sunday. Just that is a Sunday. Yeah. Ooh. 4 p.m. Odds that Evan uh, double booked and overbooked or something. 
Um, can we go north of a hundred percent here? Yeah, I will take those. Yeah, I will take one hundred and twelve percent. I know I'm losing money, but yes, I will take that. Yeah, I'll take your your bet on that because it's guaranteed. And he'll never know that we were shit talking because he doesn't listen. Yep. <laughs> we love Evan. We truly do. Um, so they have Calgary and Vancouver. Uh, those are the two games of the three on their West Coast uh, road swing. And then they got uh, Edmonton on Tuesday. But you'll hear from us before then. Um, anything else about the Red Wings? Nah. They make me sad even when they win. There was a couple trades in the NHL. Uh, one, I want to first talk about the one that came out today, where I just looked at it, and went, "Wait, what?" That was I, like my reaction out loud was, "Wait, what?" It was Victor Rask of Carolina traded to Minnesota in exchange for Nino Niederreiter. Um, uh, oh, all right, let's we talk about a couple things. Victor, like Victor Rask is fine. He's, he's an underrated player. He's a very serviceable NHL player. He's had a couple seasons. He's got pretty close to 50 points, which I would guess most people who are now hearing about Victor Ask go, wow, he almost, he had 48 points in a season and 46. Wow. Yeah. I would not have guessed that. Those were his career highs, by the way. Uh, I don't love his contract. Yeah, I don't love Nita Riders either, to be fair, though. All right. Victor Ask has what, six points in 26 games. Oh, yeah, he's fallen off a cliff this year. Last year, he had 31 points in 71 games. So somehow. Respectable for a bottom six forward. Um, Nino Niederreiter has 23 points in 46 games, so half a point per game player. Which is a down season for him. Yeah. Which is right now, uh, at a half a point per game, that would be 41 points over a full season, which is getting close to Victor Rask's career high. His highest uh, 82 game total is 57 points, uh, which was two, three years ago. So a uh, 19 point difference between Victor Rask's career high. Still just watching them, you get the impression that Niederreiter is better. Yes, I think that's a fairly safe assumption. <laughs> like uh, like considerably better. Yes. Um, he can slot in your top six. He's a really good winger. He's 26 years old. <sighs> You might not love the contract, but it's pretty stomachable knowing that the guy still probably has something left in the tank in terms of growth, if not like sustained production. Um, yeah, he's having an off year on the wild, but uh, it's the Minnesota wild. Uh, They're all having off years this year. That's a pretty decent trade on Carolina's end. It's they want to add scoring and they did it for essentially nothing. Yeah, they did it for their fourth-line center. I don't know if Rask was playing on his fourth-line center, but he's been producing like a fourth-line. Well, he's been producing like an AHL center, but essentially he's been producing like a fourth-line center. Luke Glendening has more goals than him. I think, I can't remember what Manny's stat was, like the 58th ranked ranked uh, forward. Yeah, that's what he had needed rider, and he had Rask like the 150th ranked forward, something like that. Nothing about this made sense unless Nita Ryder was a cancer in the room. Which I almost is never the case. It's very rarely the case. Hockey hockey locker rooms, just a spoiler, are terrible, terrible places full of awful people and shitty, terrible things to say. Yes. Uh, so if your label is a cancer in the dressing room, you're... You are actually Hitler. Yeah, like it's not... You must have done something bad. Yeah. Like wear a tracksuit. Or <laughs> <laughs> take a picture with money. <laughs> no one got on Bufflin for throwing his clothes in the shower. I would have been so mad. It's Winnipeg. It's cold. <laughs> I'm going to walk outside with wet clothes. You're going to get sick. He's going to get him sick. Anyways, uh, another trade. Uh, Anaheim said they need to shake things up. So naturally, they made a trade for Michael Delzato, which would have been great seven years ago. If this Michael Delzato for Luke Shen trade went down in 2010, this would have been a massive deal. It would have been a blockbuster. Legitimately, 2011-2012 was their highest output for both those players, or among their highest output. That would have been a blockbuster deal. And now nobody cares. Who and cares? now people are like, Luke Shen's still in the league? I mean, he was immediately assigned to Utica, so... Yeah. Where's JVR nowadays? How is Philly? he... He's been injured this year, I He think. has been, yeah. He's been injured. Poor guy. Look at look at what look at what losing to the Red Wings does. Yeah. Minnesota and Anaheim lose to the Wings, and they go... Th- both go out and make a panic trade. Uh, 21 points in 31 games. For 
JVR. Yeah, whatever. It's about what you expected when, you know, Austin Matthews isn't feeding him on the power play. Uh, yeah, again, kind of like a whatever trade. I don't know. If you're Anaheim. Delzato's, like, serviceable. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but is he going to move the needle? More than Luke Shen was going to. <laughs> yeah, considering he didn't play in the pros. Uh, I think a seventh round pick was also moved or something like that. To Vancouver, I would assume. Yeah. Uh, hey, that can get them an auto Kevin Mackey. The, they had another three points recently in the sweet and the Finnish Junior League. If you're Anaheim, you're Bob Murray, and you're saying this team has lost a lot of games in a row. The players are uneasy. The fans are restless. I need to make a move. I need to make a change. Whose fault is this that an otherwise talented team is losing so much? I know. It's Luke Shen's. Let's get rid of the best. And Andrew Coglianos. And Andrew Coglianos. Um Meanwhile, Randy Carlisle is, lives another day. I really thought Detroit was going to get Randy Carlisle filed, fired when they beat him. Uh, no, Murray came out in full support that he's, uh, I think, said he's going to finish the year. Randy Carlisle, where every team he's ever gone to, has, gets massively outshot despite the talent level of the team. Every time. Everywhere he goes. It's his trademark. Continues to be employed by an NHL team. And the sad reality is I take him over Blashill at this point. Anyways, back to the Ducks. Do we have to go back to the Ducks? They're kind of worse to talk about than Detroit right now. No, they're uh, not. Because they're going to win tonight. Uh, well, uh, there's still like two points out of a playoff spot. The Western Conference is so bad. Chicago's about to lose to New York. Lose to New York. Stop tanking Chicago. You're ruining the fun. Um, I'm trying to see what other. St. LA's Louis beating is Dallas. Losing. Damn it. St. Louis lost. Damn it. That's not good for Detroit. Anaheim. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I'm like, hey, look, Anaheim's winning. They're up three nothing at the end of the second against the Minnesota Wild. <laughs> Come on! Yeah, LA's winning. It's the second period. Yeah, Detroit, Chicago, New Jersey lost. Yeah, this is not going well for us tonight. No, no. Detroit's gonna finish with the sixth overall pick again. We're gonna Bowen Byram's gonna get picked right ahead of us, and I'm gonna. Sh- Hey, um, by the way, Cam York. Yeah. Cam I York. I know, yeah. yeah. USNTDB defenseman just set the USHL record for points in a game. Let me clarify. Cam York, the USNTDP defenseman, set the record for points in a USHL game. Not by a defenseman. Period. Total. End of statement. Seven points in a game. That's the all-time record. Austin Matthews never did it. Jack Eichel never did it. Quinn Hughes never did it. I know I mentioned him briefly as potentially slipping into the top 10 of this draft. I think we might need to reevaluate. I think he probably is going to be in the top 10 of this draft. Okay, uh, but how fast can you say USNDTP? DTP. I got it right the last time, but there's no way I get it right again. USNDTP. NDTP. Yeah. USNDTP. National Development Program. Team program. Team program. USNDTP. That's not bad. USNDTP. Uh, Prodden came out with more prospect rankings. Philip Zina was number four. Yeah. You want to was number one or two? Number one was Quinn Hughes. Quinn Hughes. To be fair, I love Corey. He's my favorite guy to read on prospects, but he's had an unhealthy love bias for Quinn Hughes for a (laughs) long time. Yes. There is a real chance that Quinn Hughes, all of the things that we were worried about Quinn Hughes, he kind of like rounds them out and he becomes like a PK Subban. At which point, oh boy, will this podcast have to eat crow? No, we said he was good. We never said he was bad. We no, just... no, we never said he was bad. But we, we, we actually were were pretty. We had him as I think this our second. Well, not counting Darlene, so not counting Darlene, our second ranked prospect. Uh, that was realistic for Detroit to get. Mm. Uh, I was still a bulkfist over Hughes guys. Actually, by the time draft came around, I, I don't think I got on the Hughes train enough. We both, we all of us started out pretty middling on Hughes, and then we came around. We we're like, okay, no, we realize why everyone's so high yeah. on him. It, it was to the point where if Detroit drafted Hughes over Bouchard, which is what we wanted at the time, we wouldn't have been upset. Yeah. Um. And again, it's early. Pronman does oh, like incredible insight and research. He's so worth reading. He's got to be watching four hockey games a day. I can't process the amount of information he he's has. like poker players who play like eight hands on three different screens. Like yeah, I don't, I can't. Um, and his stuff is always very valuable. But I do like you're right. It's it's like a writing style, you know. Like when you can yeah. recognize an author, like he does have 
skill sets and prospects that he seems to favor. And it's not, it's he's like not maybe, wrong for doing it necessarily. It's like me with Joe Valeno. I'll never be able to objectively rank Joe Valeno because I've been on the Valeno train for years. Yeah. And now that he's a Red Wing, it did me no favors. And the nice thing is when you're talking about the world of prospects, assigning an arbitrary ranking or trying to make predictions on them is just that arbitrary. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's biased, but his bias is like, you're reaching into an empty vacuum and, and it affects nothing. And ranking prospects is so subjective. There is so much, like, because just even how you evaluate tools, like me and Corey could look at the exact same prospect and go, he has the best shot of any player not in the NHL, and I have him outside my top 10 rankings, and he'll have him number three. Like, in this case, I'm referring to, like, an Owen Tippett. Mm-hmm. But who is he? He had... He had Hughes number one, Tippett number three. Who do you have number two again? I don't know. I'll pull it up. But uh, because he only had three truly elite prospects. Zadina was the top of his high-end list. Yeah. Um, But yeah, no, because again, like, again, uh, would I have had Hughes as my number one prospect? No, probably not. He would have been up there. He would have been in my top five at worst. And this is of all NHL prospects. So, like, yeah, Nikash and Makar on this list. Yeah. So he has... um, he has obviously Quinn Hughes number one, uh, Martin Nikash number Nichash. two, Nichash, yeah. sorry, Nichash Owen Tippett number three, and that's his elite. Yeah, high end. Which I and I will say I I do not put Owen Tippett in my elite category. I Tippett might not get in my top ten. Truthfully, Zadina's top number four overall, highest in his like yeah. Anyways, yeah, number four overall on his list is Philip Zadina. Philip Zadina, over which is fantastic. Barrett Hayton, haha, <laughs> and Jordan Cairo. Haha. And Grigory Denisenko. Haha. Rasmus Kapari, Cody Glass, Kale McCarr, number 10, which is that seems That seems low to me because to me. I have not K- followed McCarr, so I don't know. To me, Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr are essentially the same player. Except McCarr's a little bigger, not much, and Hughes is a little bit more of a gambler, which I appreciate from a defenseman. So if you're having Hughes that high, I don't see how you don't put Makar in your top 10 as well, like in your top five, but that's why these things are subjective. For a second, I was like, where's Miro Heiskanen? And then I realized, oh, he's a top he's an NHL pairing defenseman. I believe uh, if we're going to relate his list to the Red Wings too, Joe Valeno was number 37 ahead of a lot of players who were drafted ahead of him. Mm-hmm. And um, another player that would have made his list had he not been in the NHL was Philip Hronick. Because he had a list of guys that would have made his list had they not been now, now been in the NHL. So, Hronikvist was number sixteen. Where's Bouchard? Twenty four. Whoa. But Corey again. Remember his pre-draft rankings. He was never very high on Bouchard. So, yeah. that's not likely to change. Again, biases are hard to overcome. Like I have to accept the reality that there's a very good chance Joe Valeno might just be Lars Eller. Watch what you say on this podcast. Bro. I have to. I, there's a possibility. I don't. I wouldn't bet on it, but I have to accept that might mm-hmm. happen. Which is still a very, very, very useful NHL player. Which is fantastic. If if Detroit gets a Lars Eller, I pick thirty. That's still a home run. Yeah, the but, players who would have made it had they not been in the NHL: uh, Mason Appleton, Mackenzie Blackwood, Henrik Borkstrom, Michael Dal Colley, Dal Cole, Dal Cole, Thatcher Demko, Carter Hart. Uh, Rupi Hints, Rupe Hints, Rupe Rupe Hints. That's the best name in the league. Philip Ronick, Luke Kunin, and Lawrence Pilute. Huh. Yep. Philip Ronick. Woo. The uh, yeah, it's an interesting list. Always worth a read. Um, We're gonna probably have to start getting into more prospect talk going forward on the podcast soon. now, especially leading up to the trade <laughs> deadline. Is picks are gonna be swapped and people are gonna wonder, hey, who's this pick gonna turn into? So. Might start a prospect spotlight in a week or two. Very quickly, speaking of trade deadline, Edmonton has apparently gone all out. Scouts at every game in the NHL looking for scoring wingers. I know where you're going. Don't do this. I can't get my hopes up. They don't have the cap space. No, they do not. Nick Jensen makes 600000 You can package Gustav Nyquist and Nick Jensen. Retain half the salary, so Edmonton's only taking on like Two million in change because they're going for the playoffs this year. Sorry, Peter Trelli's going for the playoffs. Sorry, Peter Trelli's trying to save his job um, this year, and so I think if you retain half the salary on Jensen and Nyquist, you could literally get Connor McDavid. <laughs> they said their first round pick is very much in play. 
That might be a lottery pick. That could be a lottery pick. Yeah, it might not be a very high lottery pick, but if you have the opportunity to add 3% to your chances at getting Jack Hughes or Capocaco, you add 3% to your chance of getting Jack Hughes or Capocaco. Or, or, or if you want unbearable amounts of hype on this podcast every day up until the draft lottery, you could have Jack Hughes and Capocaco. We will, every podcast will literally just be us going, uh, all the way up until the all the way up until the, the draft lottery. We will just <laughs> yell. Hi, welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. He's Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. Uh, <laughs> Evan will show up for the first time in a while in like April and be like, "What's going on?" And then we won't see him again. <laughs> then for we a just while. look at him. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah, Edmonton's limited, so Detroit would have to take back a, a contract. I don't know who they would take that would that they would they have would to bear for like a couple of years. It would only have to be a million or two. It wouldn't have to be much. It could Tobias be Tobias Reader. I don't know. I don't know what they feel about him. I actually, Reader's good. They probably don't want to trade him. But no. yeah, whatever. I mean, I don't know if it's Jensen and Nyquist, and you retain half the salary in exchange for Reader and a first. Come on, man. Let's aim realistic here. Reader first and Pooley RV. <laughs> This is Peter Shirley, man. We got to aim for the sky. Okay. I know it won't. This would, like, no no GM should make this trade. Pull your RV in a first for Nyquist and Jensen where Detroit retains half the salary. That's not a trade that should happen. But would Peter Shirelli do it is the question. Maybe. And Hold on. We got to throw in a good veteran presence. Trevor Daly. Danny DeKaiser. <laughs> oh, don't give away all our assets. We could be trading Danny DeKaiser to Peter Shirelli for something great. I'll just give him away as an extra in a deal. Fine, uh, Trevor Daly. <coughs> you make a good point, sir. Um, <laughs> quick hit. Uh, the NHL and the NHLPA have made the uh, rare move, and I don't say that ironically, of meeting uh, more than once now, I believe, in advance of the um, collective bargaining agreement coming up, not this summer, but the next. Yep. Um, so we have at least one more season of hockey before the inevitable heat death of the universe. So the both sides typically hold out for a long time. A lot of factors are at play for both the league and the players association to come to the table early for the league. It's mostly optics and they're actually playing it very well in my mind. They know the players want the Olympics. They can say, Hey, if you want the Olympics, let's meet early. The players are obliged to take them up on that because obviously everyone wants the Olympics. And as much as that feel good commercial made us feel good about watching that team Canada team in the Olympics or team USA, I've already forgotten that commercial. Let us remind you those Olympics were God awful and, the hockey world will literally never be able to replace the missed opportunity of Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby playing together in uh, 2018. I mean, if we go to the Olympics in 2022, the, they're both going to be playing. Right, but you would want Crosby four years sooner. Oh, no, I agree. Um, it was like Mario Lemieux in, in 2002, you know? Yeah. The... But Anyways, well, so they they came they've come to the table twice. Uh, the owners are pretty happy with their stake in, in revenue. It's fifty fifty split right now. I don't think they'd be so bold as to push for more. I don't think the players would ever win a fight of trying to get some back. Um, the issues, though, as much as they always seem big, escrow comes into play. Blah blah blah. The league is doing well in an altogether poor Canadian economy. Yeah, the American economy has been pretty good the past couple of years. Um, We'll also, see how that goes in the next couple of years. Also, year. apparently, there's uh, some gripes from the NHLPA about what constitutes hockey-related revenue and what doesn't. I don't know nearly enough to know where the sticking point on that lies, just that it is a sticking point. Just know this. There's always going to be enough gripes to fill a vacuum. And if mm-hmm. that's one of them, like the classification of what's hockey revenue, and we're talking like half a percent on any given day of revenue, that's a good sign. But there isn't a threshold for the how big a gripe should be for this to end in a lockout because literally anything can cause this to end in a lockout. When you have Jeremy Jacobs running the show with the ownership group, you're going to have – yeah, we say, if you say Jeremy Jacob, uh, Jacobs, Mika will scream from upstairs. It invokes the ghost of Boston past. Um, I'm not hopeful. And I don't trust them, anyone involved. I don't think the PA is necessarily well represented. I don't think the ownership group always has the players or fans best interest in mind um wait you mean the rich white guys don't have the common folk in mind shocking what did we say at the beginning of this episode (laughs) for you poor people yeah (laughs) um yeah it's the fact that we i'm so jaded about the fact that we missed out on these olympics 
Yeah, we'll get them back in 2022. Yeah, they'll use it as a bargaining chip, but also, yes, the NHL is going to go back no matter what because they're in China, and that's literally the biggest, most untapped market in professional sports, professional North American sports right now. The NHL was never going to pass up that opportunity. It's literally like walking past a $20 bill and not picking it up if you're one of the poor people that we've been referencing, like me. You filthy um, So it, it's... There's a lot to be said, but it, there... It is a net positive that this is happening now because this didn't happen the last couple times. Well, it might have, but it just was never so amicable. They they came out saying that the talks were constructive. This is a group of liars lying to get the most money. So, eh, I sound like my... Oh, my God. I sound like my father. Oh, my God. You here's, become your here's, parents. Here's the thing, though. They canceled the World Cup of Hockey for 2020, which I don't know how the players feel about it, but I know the NHL loved it as an extra moneymaker. The World Cup of Hockey was supposed to happen the year of the lockout, and they just decided, no, we are not going to do this. How are we supposed to read into that? You're not. You just can't read into that. I read into that as not a good sign. No, but that's the thing. Just don't do it. Don't run it. Like, what a stupid thing to say out loud. We're not going to do it in 2020. You're just posturing because you know the Olympics are going to happen in 2022. That's it. Also, how many times are we going to start this? We want to start our own international block. We want to start. This is the time. This okay. We're going to start. It's like starting a new club every six years and saying that club's going to meet every two years. If they bring back Team North America, I'm more invested in this than the Olympics. Okay, I'm not. I don't think anything will ever beat the Olympics. How I do miss Team North America. Do it on offsetting years. What is your problem? Just do it on offset, like this winter was- and summer Olympics. This is what they planned. But Olympics they, 2022, World Cup Hockey 2020. This is what they were lining up. No, but I, there's no. They only are committed to the stuff that they get revenue on. World Cup of Hockey, which they just canceled. Olympics, they canceled in 2018. They're they're all I'm all I'm hearing is talks about their own thing. Yes, it's a which fun thing to watch. Just canceled. Yeah. Which yeah. I, which I am thoroughly. I actually don't know how to take that news. We well, don't have time to plan it. I just, I just know this is two petty groups, two greedy groups, and we are barreling towards another fucking lockout, and it's going to be a damn travesty. I have no reason to be optimistic about these negotiations. None. Objectively, if we were looking at this in a vacuum, everything they've done, the fact that they're meeting earlier, the fact that they talk, they're talked multiple times, the fact that they made a joint statement should all be positives, and I should be optimistic. I can't. Every one of the last three CBA renegotiations, I think, ended in a lockout. <laughs> I think there might have been one between 95 and 2005 that didn't, but I'm not even sure on that. Um, and on that happy note, we're going to head into overtime, which, of course, is brought to you by our Patreon patrons, all of whom get their comments read out on air, guaranteed as our way of saying thanks. John Evans says, Greetings from Ohio, gentlemen. Ew. Sorry, John. Wanted to ask about the hockey cliche that irritates you the most for example mine has to be when the team has a closed door meeting after a series of losses yeah you've been outscored 10 to 1 in your last three games i'm sure yelling at each other without your coach there's going to fix everything that's really funny it actually that no, actually that helps uh um, legitimately helps sometimes my i hate i hate i hate and this is i think only a red wings thing but it has happened so many times it has become cliche uh when ken holland says something like getting darren helm back from injuries our deadline acquisition What's yours, Brad? Intangibles. <laughs> Eric Kazlaskis says, Is Jeff Blashill the worst? I was on the Fire Blashill side of the fence, but not that adamant about it. After last night, I would like to put up a Fire Blashill billboard outside the LCA. Who benches a player averaging a point per game in his last five games? Seriously, has any coach in history ever done that? That is my question. Oh, I'm sure it's happened, and it was probably just this stupid then, and I'm sure the coach that did that is unemployed now. Because, again... I can't stress enough. Philip Peronic, a defenseman, rookie, in a rebuilding year, was not in the lineup, but a literal rooftop gargoyle, Jonathan Erickson, <laughs> was in the lineup. The Niebler. <laughs> the Niebler says, Larkin, Mantha, Athens, CU. Inject more of that into my veins the next few years. I actually enjoy it when we have 11 forwards and you get to see different looking lines. It's too bad about Hironic not playing. This org will never change. Red Wings are playing Calgary this Friday, and I'm so excited to be at the game. Last few years, they've played in Calgary. It's gone to overtime, but Calgary may win 7-1 this year. 
They are my adopted Western team and fun to watch. A lot of talk about their goalie situation. They may need a veteran goalie who's on the market. Hey. Mm-hmm. Hey, did you know that um, David Riddick currently has the highest uh, goal saved above average in the NHL this year? Shh. Uh, I kind of hope Holland doesn't wait until the 11th hour to make trades. There's definitely a market for Jensen, but I wouldn't be so sure Nyquist gets the return we expect. I oh, think we there, didn't even talk about that. Uh, I think there's a lot of forwards before him on the trade market. Holland should, would be, should be blowing up Chirelli's phone daily. Anyways, I really enjoyed the last episode. Whatever Evan was on, make him take it again. Having a three-person discussing was more engaging as a uh, viewer slash listener. No offense to Brad and Ryan, but your takes have become predictable when it's just the two of you. It's, he's not wrong. It's great when Evan's here. It helps. He's a wild, wild card, bitches. Uh, Jeff Chen says, Hi, guys. I was watching the game last night on the Ducks feed, um, which, by Ew. the way, is the worst, most Homer broadcast I've ever listened to. May I introduce you to Jack Edwards? Oh, yeah. Uh, the only positive things about listening to the opposing broadcast is they do talk a fair bit about the opposing team. They mentioned Tag Bertuzzi, which piqued my interest. Elite Prospects has him ranked 87th, and he's a center. How good is he, and what are the chances we draft him and put the two in Bertuzzi? He well, he actually plays very close. He's spent most of his junior career uh, down the street in Guelph. I can't say I've watched a Guelph game and actually noticed him. So I'm going to say 87 seems optimistic for him. Philip Gastineau says, uh, "What makes a true number one defenseman in today's game?" Everyone always says their team needs a number one defenseman, but if every team needs one, who actually is one? Nobody is the answer. Uh, I think there are good uh, a good ten defensemen in the league that are a tier above the rest, but there are really but they really the only number one defenseman. For example, I don't think Latang is in the same tier as Burns, Weber, Carlson, Suter, Doughty, etc., but he is number one defenseman in today's game. Well, that, lift, that list gave me a lot of opinions that I'm not going to touch right now. Um, are you top ten in the league in either defending quality or offensive quality, and are you top 15 in the other end of that spectrum? Then you are a number one defenseman. Um, and you're right that I think a good point is that, like, yeah, if you're good enough to just be that team's number one defenseman, like, for example, um, Mirror of Larkin, he's not a true number one center, like, he's not that top 15 centerman, but he's good enough to be Detroit's number one center. A team can have just a bunch of decent defensemen, great offensive output, and win three cups in however many years. See, Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, they won with Johnson as their best defenseman. He not Wait, who? What? Uh, oh, sorry, Schultz. Dumoulin. Oh, yeah, I guess Dumoulin was better. Yeah, Dumoulin was the number one defenseman while Latang was hurt. The other year they had Latang. Uh, you can do a lot with systems. You can do a lot with a group with chemistry that plays above their typical level of play if they elevate in the playoffs and who are more or less decent. It's like having no top-level defensemen, you know, four guys who could be a number-two pairing and solid bottom pairing guys and then just amazing offensive output and a hot goalie and that's a winning team like a playoff winning team uh rowan says i know you fellows marveled at my uh boy elite finisher darren helm scoring that beautiful insurance goal to save us from the very real threat of overtime yesterday i'll probably re-eat that gif a few times today ryan you'll need to explain re-eat rowan retweeted or said something everything's related and it was funny and he said ry uh ry to agree and he meant to say RT to agree, so like retweet to agree. And everyone was like responding to him, and I saw it, and all I responded was re-eat instead of retweet. And it might be the pinnacle of my humor <laughs> online. Maybe that's why John Keating blocked me. <laughs> he saw that tweet. Uh, with the wildcard race in the West being pretty competitive, there could be a bit of an arms race, and I hope as sellers we can take advantage of this and pillage a team or two uh, who then falls in a heap and misses the playoffs anyways. Saw some comments earlier today about the Wings wanting to keep Howard slash Nyquist unless they can get a first, which I assume you've discussed. However, I read that as a negotiating tactic come deadline. We'll discuss that in more detail on Sunday. I want to scream into the void. I know I need to come down from it before I speak about it. I'm going to have the opposite opinion here on Ryan because I tend to agree it's a negotiating tactic. Yeah, jersey time. Thoughts about players on wrong era jerseys. Saw Konstantinov on a Reebok jersey this week and I was offended. I get that people can do what they want. It's their money and their jersey, but it just seems wrong. Uh, before you say anything, yes, I'm aware of how petty this sounds. And seeing you, seeing as you follow me on Twitter, and this should, shouldn't be a surprise. I It's not the best, but... If someone wants a Konstantinov jersey and they don't have the wherewithal or, like, really the money to try and pursue, like, an actual classic jersey, which sell for way too much money, I don't mind it. 
Yeah, I'm okay with it. It's, it's the availability of the jerseys. If if it's a jersey that's easily found, like you're not going to find an original Gordie Howe jersey. You're just not. You got to get some sort of modernized version of it if you want to have one. Like you can get it. Like I've got one. It's the old school design, and it's everything's true to the original. But it's a modern jersey, so it's not that different. If they just put that on a current Red Wings jersey, so I'm I'm okay with it. I personally wouldn't do it. But there's enough players on the team I like right now that I'm not buying vintage jerseys anyway, so I'm buying current players. Chris Gatchel says, hey guys, it just became a patron. Oh, welcome to the family, Chris. Thank you for your support. I uh, just started listening before the draft. Uh, glad I found you guys to help me get through the summer of no hockey. Recently moved from Grand Rapids, Michigan to South Bend, Indiana. Uh, let me tell you, there's no hockey here and it really sucks. Moved from a city of six ice rinks all within an hour from where I live to a city of two ice rinks and one of them for a college. I'm a Notre Dame fan, so that <coughs> excuse me. I'm a Notre Dame fan, so that kind of uh, helps. But I miss beer league hockey a ton. Beer league down here is almost 400 bucks a session. Jesus, a session. He had to have met season. season. Uh, Ours it, is 450. Insane. Canadian though. Now for my questions. Uh, first, what is the highest level of hockey you guys have played? Uh, I played Double A hockey my whole life. Triple yeah. A. For uh, now. Maybe. Uh, also, since I have a love for the Griffins, when and or if we could get you guys to come to a Griffins game, two dollars beer, two dollar beers and hot dogs on Fridays, and we're always a great time. That's all I got, and I'm so uh, and I'm always happy to listen every week. Thank you for your support, Chris. Uh, Green Spartan on Reddit, I think is his name. All, like has been trying to get us out to it. We really do need to do a Grand Rapids game. Well, we'll do something um, probably next season when yeah. the funds and the time to do so. We do not because I, I hear so much good things about Grand Rapids just as a city. Make like a week of it or at least a long weekend of it. But, um, Mark, yeah. Mark Burnham says, Boy, was that Anaheim game a snooze fest? Can't feel too good about that one, even with the W. Looked like all our guys went back to being afraid to shoot the puck, especially Athens CU. Also, they were consistently trying to force plays that weren't there. Is it just me, or do the Red Wings spread their players out way more than any other team, even with control in the offensive zone? Just seems like they're so far apart. There's never an easy pass, and they just try to force long passes or shots through. Uh, I'm going to have to do a deep dive one day and explain why everything the Red Wings do in the offensive zone is stupid and bad. Hashtag deep dive. Ignoring our fandom and hatred for certain teams on principle, if you were in the NHL, which teams would you want to least be traded to? Least be traded to? So Ottawa. Ottawa right now, Dallas. Yeah, you never want that from an ownership group. No. Um, Edmonton, if not for McDavid. Everyone will be happy to play with the best player in the world. Yeah, and Edmonton might be on my no-trade list if I had a 10-team list. Uh, you wouldn't want, like, a... I wouldn't want to do Toronto or Montreal. That's just... I have no problem with the attention in the spotlight, but there gets to a point where it's just ridiculous. Yeah. And those two teams would fall into it. Um, Boston, out of principle. He said ignore that. Evan Beckner says, hey, guys, can you believe how lazy Mantha has been lately? Just coasting to a point a game since returning. Uh, but for real, though, how sexy is the white stick he uses? I love white hockey equipment. The the more I, I think about it, it, it's funny, too, because CCM hasn't produced that white stick in a few years now. But there's still a couple players, Mantha and Joe Pavelski in San Jose, who use it, and they use it with white tape. And when you watch on the broadcast, I know that a lot of people like to use black black tape on their blade to hide the puck but I was thinking about it goalies are good they're gonna pick up the puck I kind of think Mantha and Pavelski are onto something with the we're gonna hide the angle of the stick it's not a bad idea because the goalie's gonna see the puck no matter what because I've talked to my goalie friends I'm like does black tape really hide it they're like no I can see everything and I'm like okay but I never asked if I if I put all white tape out there and on a white stick does that really screw with the angle on you Mm -hmm. hinder the release point there might be something to that. Uh, he also says, also, Ryan, don't be too mad at Ken Holland yet. He's had killer deadlines the last few seasons. I know. I'm reserving judgment for now. Oh, and also on the aesthetics thing, though, what looks is not necessarily the most functional, but black sticks with white tape on the bottom look the best. Aesthetically. Um, yeah, I as a, def- as a defenseman, I always did black tape on the blade just to hide the puck. Um, anyways, Dan Bell says, hey, gents, posting this kind of late. Not sure if I'll make the pod. You made it, Dan. Uh, but if I'm listening to you read this, and obviously I did, 
This is very meta. Hi, self. Anywho, how fun are the young kids? Uh, they're about the only interesting thing about the Red Wings this year. Glad to see most of them performing, even though Blashill is the coach. On a side note, I recently discovered NHL 19 threes online. Wow, so much fun. No rules, just hit anything that moves. What a blast. I actually love that game mode. Uh, kind of over Red Dead 2. It's just such a long game. Uh, Clayton's not going to like that one. Anthem comes out next month, and that just looks amazeballs. Cheers. Uh, Connor Jager says, hey guys, just curious if you saw the one-time only jerseys that the Griffins are playing in on Saturday. They look pretty sick to me. Being auctioned off after the game, and uh, some blank ones are being sold on eBay sometime after. Wish I had $1,000 lying around to get Zadina's. My question... Oh, you think Zadina's is going to go for just 1000 That's cute. Uh, the, the Grand Rapids always does great one-off jerseys. Every year. The one they had with the gold in it a year or two ago. Oh, my God. If, if it wasn't expensive to do a three-color, those were going to be my beer league jerseys. Uh, favorite jersey that you own? Gordie Howe signed jersey. Mine will be the in-progress um, 09 Winter Classic Nick Lidstrom jersey. Uh, Garrett TV says, hey, fellas, in case you hadn't noticed, the Chicago Bears kickers missed the would-be game-winning field goal in the NFL playoffs a couple weeks ago. Oh, I didn't miss that. Uh, double doink. Double doink. It was tipped. Predictably, a bunch of Yahoo armchair QBs chirped how they could have made the 43-yard kick, and in response, a local brewery gave them a shot to do just that and win NFL tickets. All 100 attempts failed, many hilariously. My question for you is, what's the NHL equivalent? What specific skill or job that fans probably take for granted watching NHL games? For me, it's always been hitting an off-balance one-timer, passing uh, past your feet, or perhaps a defenseman changing lateral direction while skating backwards against a fast attacking player, or simply even finishing on a clean breakaway. Thoughts? Okay. I think the one... Yeah, go ahead. One-timer. Even quick release. Like, if you're standing in the slot and the puck comes to you and you cushion it on your stick and go for a wrist shot right away, any sort of one-timer or quick release is hard. I've been playing hockey for 27 years now. I can connect on a one-timer and get power on it. If it hits the net, I'm thrilled. Like, it is so hard to hit, let alone control. The quick release, anything where the puck is bouncing. Breakaways are one of the easiest parts of the game of hockey. If you're a good player, you just make one quick move or just pick your spot and hit it. Breakaways are easy. Not in terms of the goalie will beat you sometimes because that's the nature of the beast, but yeah, no, one-timers. One-timers, one-timers. These guys make it look so damn easy. It is hard just to connect with the puck, let alone hit the net, let alone hit the corner. This is why Alex Ovechkin is a freak. He can get a bullet pass from across the ice, wind up on a full slap shot, and put it exactly in the net where he wants. It is impossible. Um, I, I, was, I had an answer, but I was narrowly distracted, or I was very heavily distracted by Mika trying to make an escape downstairs not once but thrice yeah um she opened the door and went daddy uh with that we are actually uh, out of time for this episode we do have to go try and retrieve Evan's body from the morgue uh we seem to have been the only human contact he had for his entire life although I don't know if we could identify what he looks like uh, we want to thank everyone for supporting the show, all of our listeners, our Patreon patrons, our name-level sponsors, Sean Levine, Chad Hiersack, Sky Carcass, Arjun Shanker, Clayton Van Dyken, Langabeer, Derek Shippert, Ryan Lewis, Tr- Kalen Wood, Charlie Elkins, Stan Olson, Dan Bell, and Hannah Lee. Thank you all so much. If you want to support the show, follow us on Twitter, at Winged Wheel Pod, and then follow our individual accounts in the bio. We love being active on Twitter. Like, subscribe, however you get your podcasts. Leave a rating on iTunes. is huge for us. We will see you on Sunday. Remember, Patreon patrons, there's going to be a live stream of the game against Vancouver. Brad and I will be there. Mika will be there. The dogs will be there. Evan's body, like Weekend at Bernie's, will be there. You better be there. Mm-hmm.